You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. Hour two. Sportsnet Today live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com on a game day. Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Game four of the six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. Six o'clock, our Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. Seven o'clock, puck drop with Derek Wills and Corey Sarich right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, what can we tell you about tonight's game? Jacob Markstrom out. He is week-to-week with a fractured finger, so Dan Vladar will get the start. Dustin Wolf will back him up after being recalled from the Wranglers. Ilya Solovyov and Walker Dewar in tonight. Martin Pospisil and Dennis Gilbert expected to be scratches. It was an optional morning skate, so we'll get lines and deep pairings during warm-up tonight. But helping us take a look at the opposition to kick off this hour. Very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline to take a look at the Minnesota Wild. It's Calgary native, former Calgary Flame and Minnesota Wild forward. Now a Wild game analyst with Bally Sports North joining us this afternoon. It's Wes Walls. Wes, thanks for the time today, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. No, appreciate the time. Uh, look, season of change already for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, having a coaching change before the month of December. It's been uh, covering an up and down season for the Minnesota Wild. How would you sort of describe what's happened so far in this early season for the Wild? Well, I, w- I would say it's been mostly a down season up until the last three games, to be honest. It was, uh, you know, the, the team just got off to a, uh, just a really rocky start at the beginning of the season, lost a bunch of confidence, and um, special teams uh, were were and are so have been just a very big disappointment for the for the team. Um, you know, can't get really, can't get a save. The wild, the wild save percentage last year, I believe, finished third in the National Hockey League, and um, up until the last three games, I believe it was 32nd as far as their save percentage. So they haven't been able to get any big saves. Um, top guys have not been scoring. Matt Boley, uh, a couple goals only at that point. He only had one goal in like his first 12 games or whatever. Lost Jared Spurgeon to a to a significant injury early in the season, our best defenseman. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a struggle all season long. And then obviously the, the coaching chains bringing in John Hines has just given the guys a little bit of a spark. Um, you can see they have a little bit of, you know, more confidence. Uh, the team has worked, you know, exclusively on trying to get out of their zone a little cleaner and a little quicker as opposed to kind of massaging the puck D to D. So they're trying to play a faster game. Um, the team has looked much faster, to be perfectly honest with you, in the last three games, and uh, they've been rewarded with three wins, and they've deserved all three wins. So let's, you know, just see if we can keep this going here tonight against the Calgary Flames team that's playing really well right now. Uh, Wes, I wanted to ask you about that coaching change, and Dean Evison's been in Minnesota for a couple years now, but what, in your mind, went wrong for him to start this season, if anything, uh, when you look at why they had to make this coaching change? Well, I mean, any coaching any coaching change in the National Hockey League, you you could pretty much you know look at the goaltending. Uh, yeah. You know, when goaltenders are playing well, coaches don't get fired. And, and I mentioned earlier, the goaltending was so good for the Wild there last year, and um, it just has not been good this year. The, the penalty kill, 
uh, for the Minnesota Wild the last two years in the playoffs against uh, St. Louis and Dallas, you know, pretty much took the Wild um, out of those those first rounds. And then to start the season again here, uh, the Wild were right at the bottom of the National Hockey League, historically terrible through the first probably 15 games of the season. And um, then the coaching change was made. It, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, the last three games that Dean coached, uh, I thought was were probably the the best stretch of three games that we've played all season. Uh, we got the Wild. I think they got one point in an overtime loss, but uh, you know, so they had been playing some decent hockey, but unfortunately, they were not winning those games. And Billy Guerin, the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, felt it was time to to make a change, and he went ahead and did that. Uh, you mentioned a little bit there, but uh, I'm curious to expand a little bit more on what you've seen from this group under John Hines. You mentioned the speed and the confidence. What other aspects have you seen change in this group since they made the change at that coach? Um, you know, tactically, it's so hard during the season for a, for a head coach to make too many, you know, system changes and things like that. But sure. from a tactical standpoint, I would say I, I'm seeing a lot more shorter passes. So you're seeing a lot more puck support all over the ice. You're not seeing the 30, 40-foot passes that have a tendency to get picked off in the NHL. So you're seeing a lot more support coming out of the zone, shorter passes. Um, the Wilds defensemen, uh, Jared Spurgeon, uh, Jonas Brodeen, and, and Brock Faber, the, the rookie that we have, um, Brock Faber, ha- have really taken their getting up into the play to the next level. Like It's, it's, it's almost been... It's, you can tell that it's been something that's been talked about from the coaching staff that they needed to get better. And it's been, you know, borderline reckless to be honest. They they're they're going. They're 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 taking some chances, and uh, these are three of the best skating defensemen in the NHL. So I like the idea of them taking chances because they have the speed to get back, and uh, you know, playing very similar with their defensemen to the way the Flames play and get their D involved in the offense. And I know that's been a big reason why they've had some success here too. So, you know, the other thing is they've been able to finish finish early in, in in periods I think they had three nothing leads each of the last two games uh, we were always chasing games uh, you know under Dean Evison and um, guys lost a little bit of confidence and then the other side is is I think it's just a wake-up call I mean I played 17 years I don't think I ever I didn't go through a coaching change in the middle of the season but I can tell you I know enough about hockey players they're they're proud people and they're good people and there's got to be a certain part of guilt that makes you feel terrible that a, a very good coach lost his job because of the way uh, we, we were just were not winning games. So I think there's a bit of a guilt uh, that's there, too, that's helping this team, you know, um, move through the season. It's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly where I was going to go. I was curious if you'd ever gone through that as a player, Wes. And, you know, because we in the media, we always talk about that, right, the coaching bump. But there's always expected to be this coaching bump. And, you know, if you're in the media and you've never been in an NHL locker room, you just assume that's going to happen. But I guess it's also incumbent on the guys in the locker room to take that change and handle it the right way if we want to see that that kind of coaching bump, right, and sort of take some of that responsibility on that you were talking about in their part in a guy losing his job. Yeah, you know what? It's it's a uh, it's an amazing phenomenon in sports. Like watching it year in year out, and obviously we live in this hockey world, and you see coaches get fired all the time. Um, it's it's remarkable. It's it's almost like the the owner and general manager are buying themselves like a 70, 75 winning percentage for the first ten games. <laughs> That's what you're paying for with a new coach. It's it's truly remarkable. And uh, I'm not smart enough to really be able to figure out how that human spirit works. But there's something that does happen. Um, you know, I don't know. 
you know, the length of coaches in the National Hockey League feels like it's like Dean had been around for four, almost four years. That felt, that felt like a long time. Yeah. And now today with social media, people looking at their phones, things happening quick. Like, you know, they're moving on, scrolling to the next thing. I think just the psyche of a, of a human being is changing. And uh, it's, that's why, you know, coaches, the shelf life thing is a, is a real, real thing. And uh, it's it's been an interesting phenomenon. I wish I had a better answer for you, but it's just, it's hard to explain. No, hey, I appreciate it. I guess from, from your perspective, Wes, just on that, are you surprised that you went, you know, 20 plus years in pro hockey almost, and you never went through that yourself? Is that kind of one of those things you look back on and go, kind of weird that never happened while I was in the NHL or a pro hockey player? Yeah, actually it, it, it did. But back then coaches didn't get, didn't change quite as much. And okay. The last eight, yeah, the last the the last eight years of my, my career, I played for some coach named Jock Lemaire. I don't think he was going to be fired anytime soon. Um, but uh, <laughs> he had he had a little bit of built-in equity. Yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, even just over in Switzerland, I played over there for four years. I played obviously in Calgary under Dave King for a couple of years. He had been around a long time. So yeah, played a long time. Just never ever. Um, had that situation uh, present itself in, in my career, which is kind of strange when you play that long. Absolutely. Uh, Wes Walls along with us, uh, taking a look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary Flames. It's the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I'm interested from your perspective, Wes, does Minnesota as a whole put too much pressure on Kirill Kaprizov to be this offensive dynamo on a night-in, night-out basis? I know there's other scorers on this team. Joel Erickson comes to mind. I know Matt Zuccarello's having a, a great season as well, but I wonder about the pressure that, that comes from him being the, the main offensive driver for this team and how much pressure there is on him to be at that level on a night-in, night-out basis for the group. Yeah, there is there is a ton of pressure on, on Kirill. You know, I would say, I mean, Ewell Erickson, he's got a bunch of power play goals this year, and he's an outstanding player, great 200-foot player, but our gifted scorers, goal scorers on our team are Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy. And most, and more, more so, I would say, obviously, Kirill. Um, he puts a ton of pressure on himself um, to score every night. And sometimes I think he overstays his shifts because he cares so much. But when we get out on the road, like it's it's difficult because um, you know we play the Flames here tonight. I mean, he's going to looking he's going to be looking at Tanev and Hannafin and uh, and Lindholm all all, yeah. all night long. So these are you know when you when you have one scorer that is so prolific then you're going to get hard matches from other teams on the road all the time because there's no one else to carry the, to help carry the scoring. And to be honest with you, that's just the world we're living in right now. For a lot of your listeners, um, the Minnesota Wildcats situation is with the buyouts of Zach Parisi and, and Ryan Suter. I think it's been three years ago now. There's still dead money. So there's, you know, every other team that we're playing every night is has 15 more million dollars in their lineup. So think about Kirill Kaprizov. If he had a chance to play with two seven million dollar players in our lineup the pressure would be taken off of him and you know it might be a little bit easier for him especially when we get out on the road and other teams have have matchups so it's just this, it's just the the world that we live in here with the wild the cap situation is going to change here um after we get two more years this year and then one more year and then we'll kind of be out of the the, the dead cap situation where we'll be able to compete um with everybody else on an even playing field but there's a ton of pressure on that kid but He's up. He's up for the fight every time. I've never seen a. I, I got to be honest. I've been around hockey for a long time. I've never seen a, a, a star player play as hard as this guy does. I mean, it's every every game. He's got an amazing motor. Uh, he plays like a fourth line player with amazing skill, and uh, he's a tremendous leader without wearing a letter in that locker room. 
Uh, Wes, two guys I'd love to ask you about on this Minnesota Wild team, and I, I wonder how much of yourself you see in guys like Zach Bogosian and, and Pat Maroon. I know that Bill Guerin loves building his teams with these these veteran kind of guys that bring that physicality but also know how to be pros on a day-to-day basis. I know Bogosian just came in last month, but how have you seen those guys, those sort of veteran presences, work out on, on Minnesota so far this season? Yeah, well, we lost Ryan Reeves here this summer. I think Billy Guerin was trying to sign him, wanted a little bit too money, too much money, and then you know, obviously Pat Maroon came available. You know, anytime you can bring in somebody of that stature, a guy that's won cups, he won three cups in a row there, a couple with Tampa and one with St. Louis. Um, Billy Guerin's been part of four Stanley Cups himself, two as a player and two in management. This guy knows what it looks like and he knows what it feels like. Um, uh, to to have winners and what a locker room looks like. So bringing in a guy like Pat Maroon, and to be perfectly honest with you, you know Marco Rossi, Pat Maroon, and Eric Sinek have been uh, through the first 22 games of the season. I would say they've been the, the most consistent players. And um, you know Pat played out you know out east. I didn't know much about his game other than I'd watch him in the playoffs every year. <laughs> um, but he uh, he's he's a big guy. He's not the greatest skater, but he's an adequate skater. But he always makes small, great little 10-foot passes and puts pucks in areas where his teammates can get on to pucks, and he's got great hands. So, And then Zach Bogosian has only been in for three or four games. He's got an upper body injury. He's not going to play tonight. But, um, you know, those guys with the beards, the big, heavy guys, those are the kind of guys that Billy Guerin likes to have. And, if, you know, especially with uh, Bogosian, because we've got some slighter defensemen, guys like Brodeen and Spurgeon, not the biggest guys, like they can skate like the wind, but, you know, he, he, I'm sure he knows – how important it is to bring in a little bit of beef to around to the front of the net. So I'm not surprised that those guys are, are here right now. And uh, last but not least, before I let you go, you mentioned him a little bit earlier, but uh, I'd love to know what you're seeing out of a guy like Brock Faber at, at 21 years old. Uh, I believe he's right around 23 minutes uh, per night average this season. And for a 21-year-old, uh, that's a pretty special thing to do. He certainly seems like he's coming and been an immediate fit on that blue line for Minnesota. Well, he jumped into the uh, to the NHL playoffs last year, uh, and I think he played the last two games of the season, and he was playing for the Minnesota Gophers, so he went from college hockey right into playoff uh, hockey and was playing 20 minutes a night, like playing top four minutes, playing solid. And you, you've been around hockey too. You know how hard that is to do, yep. to, to not look out of place as a defenseman in the National Hockey League in the playoffs. It was remarkable what he was able to um, achieve and it was just more of the same so far this season right out of the gate um, you know with the Wild moving on from Matt Dumba it was a perfect fit for him to just jump in there with Jonas Bodine and he's been he's been amazing obviously he's not a forward so he doesn't put up the numbers uh, guys like Bedard and and uh, you know Carlson out in Anaheim and, and so not as many people know about him um, other than the fact that he's playing 23 minutes a, a game and was not a big scorer, really, with a, with the Minnesota Gophers the two years that he played there. Um, he's got some some leadership pedigree. He was, was the captain there with the Gophers, and you can just tell when he gets interviewed, he's one of those guys that just has that it thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's wearing a C at some point um, in his career with the Minnesota Wild. Just a special player that can skate like the wind and is truly, really, really competitive. Um, not not an overly physical guy, but is always in the way and has the ability to skate as, skate as himself out of trouble. So um, if you're a Flame fan, keep your eye on him tonight. He's, he's going to be a good one for a long time for the Wild. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting uh, an in-person look at him tonight uh, as part of this matchup with the Flames. Wes, really appreciate the time on a game day. Great stuff. Uh, appreciate you taking some time out of your afternoon to join us today, hey? 
Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Thanks you for having much. me. Take care. Enjoy the game tonight, Wes. See you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Wes Walls joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon for a look at the opposition, the Minnesota Wild, and who would know better uh, than Wes Walls, currently a game analyst for Bally Sports North, but a guy that played over 600 NHL games, uh, spent the majority of his career at the back end with the Minnesota Wild, spent a couple of seasons here in Calgary. He was with the St. John's Flames uh, for a couple of uh, games as well, but stops in Boston, Philly, Calgary, Detroit, a couple years in Swiss uh, League as well. Uh, so really appreciate Wes taking some time to join us. And yeah, I, I feel for Kirill Kaprizov in a sense, because I think Wes said it best there. Imagine if he had two other $7 million forwards to help spread out the offense. And I get it. Look, Marco Rossi's a tremendous player. Matt Boldy's a tremendous player. These are young guys that signed up to these contracts and they needed them because they were dealing with these cap hits from buying out Parise and buying out um, Ryan Suter. But at the same time, it's it's got to be tough. You're the the clear superstar on this team. He's at $9 million on the cap hit. The closest to that is Jared Spurgeon, the captain. He's at 7.575. No one on the forward list even hits over six. Matt Zuccarello is the next highest paid forward. And yes, he's having a tremendous year at 36 years old. He's got 26 points in 22 games. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's more than Kaprizov's put in. But who do you focus in on when Minnesota comes to town? It's it's 97. That's the guy that's going to take up the majority of of your attention every single time you get ready for Minnesota. There's no spreading out the offense, and it's led to a change in coach. It's led to uh, a tough season to start for Minnesota, and they've got a hole to dig themselves in uh, out of there right now. Seventh in the Central Division. They're eight, ten, and four to start the season. They've got a negative ten goal differential but as Wes mentioned they've turned it around they're on a three-game winning streak as they enter action tonight against the Calgary Flames reminder six o'clock Flames warm up Pat Steinberg is going to get you ready for tonight's game he'll get you lines and D pairings after an optional morning skate at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome today again Solovioff and Dewar expected to come into the lineup expecting Gilbert and Pospisil to come out Dan Vladar your starting goaltender with Dustin Wolf backing him up. 7 o'clock, uh, Derek Wills and Corey Sarich on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Part of a very busy day in the NHL. Eight games, of course, the Flames and the Minnesota Wild will be on Sportsnet West for your viewing pleasure, but uh, it all starts at 5 o'clock tonight. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets and the LA Kings. Sportsnet 1 has that game available for you. You've also got the Rangers in Ottawa getting set to take on the Sens. Buffalo and Detroit, not sure yet, but it doesn't sound like Patrick Kane will make his Red Wings debut tonight. Uh, so Red Wings fans still have to wait and see uh, when number 88 will make his uh, Detroit debut. 5.30, San Jose in New York to take on the Islanders. Predators and Blackhawks at 6.30. 7 o'clock, of course, Calgary, Minnesota. Anaheim is in Colorado. And your late game tonight on Sportsnet Pacific, it's the New Jersey Devils in Vancouver getting set to take on the Canucks. That's part of your eight-game NHL schedule tonight. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Lots going around the sports world right now. We'll take a look at some of the biggest stories, including more on Shohei Otani and his pursuit by the Toronto Blue Jays. 
as we check in from Nashville. Winter meetings continue, and we'll continue uh, the show next. Uh, Sportsnet Today rolls on. It's Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're getting you set for a Flames game day. Flames and the Minnesota Wild. No Jacob Markstrom. Fractured finger. Week to week. Going Vladar and Wolf as your goaltending tandem. Dan gets the start for the Flames tonight. And I'll ask the text line, if you're listening live at 960-960, the same question I asked our pal Peter Klein back in hour one. If it really is week to week for Jacob Markstrom, and that could potentially mean next week, Flames are in Vegas next Tuesday when they hit the road for stops in Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota. Say Jacob's back by Vegas next week, the Vegas game next week. How many times between now and then do you want to see Dustin Wolf start a game for the Calgary Flames? If it's two weeks, let's say two weeks, I don't think that's unfair to say that it could take Jacob Markstrom two weeks to potentially feel better from a fractured finger in his blocker hand. And that would mean seven games. We know Dan Vladar gets the start tonight, but Carolina, New Jersey, Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay on the 16th of December. What's a realistic number in your mind that Dustin Wolf should start for the Calgary Flames? Now, obviously, I think the back-to-back, if Jacob is not ready to go in Colorado or in Vegas, I think it's fair to say that one of those starts will go to Dustin Wolf. Now, there's also the case to be made that We've talked about it. We've heard from Craig Conroy. We've heard from Ryan Huska that they will make an attempt to get Dustin Wolf playing time at the NHL level. Well, no better time, perhaps, than when the number one goaltender is dealing with an injury. So they're trying to, to make a concerted effort to get him more starting time. We would assume that that would mean maybe in a two-week span that there would be another opportunity. Where is that for you? Because for me, I think at least if it is the two-week timeline, and who knows, Ryan Huska sounded very positive speaking to the media today following morning skate that Jacob would have gone in today against Minnesota if that was a realistic option for him and that it really sounded like from the Flames' perspective they got the good end of the news when it came to this injury for Jacob Markstrom. So maybe it really is by this time next week, we're talking about Jacob Markstrom being back and ready to go. I still think given the fact that Dustin Wolf has been very strong again at the AHL level, 13 games played this season. He's got a 10 and three record, a 2.50 goals against and a 920 save percentage. Those aren't quite the MVP or goalie of the year numbers that he's put up. But there is a stint in there mixed in with a call up to the Calgary Flames. And I think that's obviously something that's going to weigh on him this season more than ever. 
So I'll ask you, 960-960, if you're listening live, if it's a week, if it's two weeks, how many times is realistic in your mind for Dustin Wolf to start for the Calgary Flames while Jacob Markstrom is hurt? I want to play this from a little earlier today. It's just a quick note from Eric Francis, who joined the guys on the big show with Russick and Rose, talking about Dan Vladar and how he continues to kind of be, I don't know if underwhelming, underwhelming is not the right word. I think, I was going to say underappreciated. I don't know if that applies to a backup goaltender. Overlooked maybe is the best way to put it in this whole scenario because, look, he's played incredibly well. We know the story about him coming in when Markstrom got sick and we had the e-bug situation with Dusty Nickel and all that. But Dan Vladar has been one of the more consistent backups I can remember in the last, what, 10, 15 years for the Calgary Flames and now plays a very important part for this team during a crucial part of their schedule. And maybe he shouldn't be overlooked. I know a lot of people have just sort of gone the wait-and-see approach with Dan as to when he's going to get traded or when he moves on so the Flames can make room for Dustin Wolf to be a full-time NHLer. But hear this from Eric today, who who heard a pretty interesting stat about Dan's recent play at home and why it's going to be so important to the Flames the next couple of weeks. I saw last night uh, a stat on Dan Vladar. I think he is, uh, I'll, I'll put it up on the broadcast tonight, but he's, he's either 8-1 or 9-1 in his 10 starts at home. Uh, and when you think about it, the backup rarely gets a start at home. I mean, that's not his gig, right? His gig is to go and play back-to-backs in hostile environments, um, which makes your job that much harder. But, you know, when he is at home, it's 8 or 9-1, and one, which is a pretty uh, pretty great record. So, And I know he feeds off the crowd. And uh, that last game when he stole the two points against the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the first things he said after the game, and several players said, that's the old sea of red that I remember. And so it's, you know, I think what a lot of them were kind of saying is I haven't, we haven't seen that in a while where the people were that into it. And I mean, quite frankly, I'm not sure people that that much to cheer for over the last year and a half. So maybe that's what it is. But the, the last couple of games at the dome uh, that they won up until the Saturday game, that, that joint is rocking. And so I think that helps a guy like the dark because he's, he's an emotional goalie. So this is Eric Francis of sports. Then he joined the guys on the morning show earlier on Tuesday and brought up a, a stat that a couple of you have mentioned on the, the text line at 960-960. And that Dan Vladar actually plays incredibly well at home. He just doesn't get a lot of those opportunities. As a backup goaltender, the majority of your starts are on the road. They're in back-to-back situations. And maybe we're just – maybe we haven't been appreciative enough of what Dan Vladar has been for this group because we've been so excited for Dustin Wolf. And I'm I'm very curious because there were people at the beginning of the season that were clamoring, hey, you could get rid of Jacob Markstrom and you could go with a Vladar-Wolf tandem. I don't think that's realistic. I still think at the end of the day you're talking about Dan Vladar being the odd man out here in Calgary. But is there not a more important stretch of the season right now for these two young goaltenders in Calgary to show us what they've got? And I'm very curious to see what kind of usage we see for Dan Fladar and Dustin Wolf during this stretch. Some of your texts at 
960. I'm asking you how much you would like to see Dustin Wolf play over the next week or two weeks. And I'm putting that in there because we we don't really know how long it's going to be for Jacob. Perhaps it's this week he misses with the home games. Perhaps it's part of the road trip next week. Uh, so give me your best scenario for when Dustin Wolf gets into the net uh, for the Calgary Flames. This text came in first, and that's where we'll start. Uh, this one says, I want to see him play at least three, but we'll probably only see him once or twice. I think three would be a lot. That's just my initial thought. I, I would like to see. Again, I'm, I'm ready to see Dustin Wolf at a extended rate as well. But I don't, I don't know that we see him that much. Uh, let's see here. Andrew and McKenzie Town texting in says, I want to see him at least twice. Uh, this text says, if Marky's out seven games, Wolf should be seeing at least two to three starts. Uh, Ethan in High River says, go 60-40, Vidar and Wolfie. Uh, Merv said, instead of worrying about where we're going to get uh, Dustin Wolf, when we're going to get to Dustin Wolf, excuse me, Maybe this is our opportunity to showcase Vladar as a possible starter. Either he makes it or breaks it. And yeah, that's been a big part of the conversation uh, around Dan Vladar every time he starts is whether it's a good start or a bad start. Uh, I've seen the Twitter accounts. Oh, there he is. He's hurting his trade value or he's improving his trade value with a great game. And maybe that is part of what's happening with Dan Vladar. But I think for right now, the Flames are not concerned about his trade value. They're just concerned about picking up wins during this stretch. Uh, this text says, it would be nice to see Dustin start 50% of the games as well. Jacob is out, however. I don't think that's going to be the case. I'd like to see it. He deserves to get more experience and opportunities for his future NHL career. Uh, Keegan in Victoria, BC says, Wolf should see one of every three games unless Darth Vladar plays poorly or if Wolf is outstanding. Uh, Sandy says, give Wolf every third start, get Dan's value up, and give Wolf a game or two. Uh, at 960-960, this text, for Wolf, my feelings are, if it's one week, get him one to two starts. If it's two weeks, it has to be three to get a good look at him. Uh, Tony says, I would play Wolf against New Jersey and in Minnesota. Needs to play against weaker opponents until he gets used to NHL caliber players. Uh, our pal Shub's texting in. Uh, at least twice, agree with PK, would like to see him versus a young Devils team on Saturday. And Sean in Calgary says, go with the win and your in approach if you're the Calgary Flames. So those are some of your texts at 960-960. If you've got a thought on how many games you'd like to see Dustin Wolf start in this most recent call-up, send us a text at 960-960. Let's pop back into the Flames locker room. Heard from earlier, but let's play it again. Uh, Dustin Wolf speaking to the media this morning. Following the call-up from the Wranglers, obviously disappointed to see Jacob Markstrom go down, but excited to get another opportunity back up with the big club. Dustin, just the, the opportunity I had for you a little bit of unfortunate circumstances about how you feel getting the call-up and your chance to get into some games at Wolf. Yeah, like you said, obviously terrible thing to happen to Mark yesterday, but um, you know, a good opportunity for myself to, to hopefully get an opportunity to play some games and um, just be around this atmosphere and the guys and try to get myself a little more company to it. How, how comfortable are you? This is, I think, your third recall of late. How, how, how much more comfortable are you than, say, at the end of last season when you first got the call? Yeah, much more. I think um, you know, I've gotten to know the guys a little bit better and I've uh, already been up for a week this year. Um, so it's been it's been good to, to be in this locker room and um, 
you know, be able to put my best for it, foot forward every day and you know, try to help the team win. I mean, I don't think playing in the NHL is considered normal at all. It's a, it's a gift and um, just trying to take as advantage of it. How would you assess your performance in the game you did play this season? Yeah, obviously the result didn't didn't come, but um, you know, I was pretty happy with with you know how I how I played and um, you know, like I said that night it was, it's a building block for sure. Um, you know, you're not going to win every night, but it, you want to give your team a, the best opportunity to uh, to win. And um, you know if you can do that, you know that's, I'm doing my job. What are things from playing in an NHL game that you learned that you wouldn't learn without playing it? Is there? I know that sounds strange, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a reasonable question because guys are so good in this league. Uh, it's different than the American League. Guys are so much better at, at tipping pucks and um, getting in your face and getting in your eyes and making it difficult for you to see things. And, um, you know, it makes my my job a little harder, so I got to um, you know, make sure I'm fighting through and doing everything I can to, to see pucks. And um, I know the guys in front of me are going to do everything they can to help. There you go. That was Dustin Wolf following morning skate at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Tuesday. Of course, recalled from the Calgary Wranglers will back up Dustin or will back up Dan Vladar in tonight's matchup against Minnesota. Uh, a couple more texts before I move on to some other NHL news. Uh, just on that, how much would you like to see Dustin Wolf realistically play in the next week or two if there's no uh, Jacob Markstrom for the Calgary Flames? Uh, Dylan and Revy says we have eight games in 13 days. We should get three of them. Um, that's too much for any goalie to play more than five. Uh, this <laughs> this kid says Wolf can play with my beer league team on Thursday. I think he's going to be a little bit busy. Um, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> this one says Dan Vladar, uh, an extremely good goalie, could be a number one for several other teams in the NHL this year. Excellent trade bait opportunity for the Flames, depending on how well the team results are from now until the end of the year. Keep sending your texts in to nine six zero nine six zero. We'll dive into more of them before the show is out. But I did want to. Uh, bring you this uh, from the Board of Governors meetings. Our own Elliot Friedman and Kyle Bukoskis on the ground. We've heard a ton of news from the Board of Governors meetings in the last 24, 48 hours. Salary cap definitely going up next year. We're talking about maybe $4 million raise. Uh, HHR at $6.2 billion for this season. Uh, just a ton of news as always. But we got more today, including... Uh, a pretty unique location for what might be the last draft with everybody together in the same building. Checking in from the Board of Governors meetings, it's uh, Sportsnet's Kyle Bukoskis and Elliot Friedman. Alongside Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, and Elliot, you had mentioned the draft location was going to be a talking point here on Tuesday, and it appears the league has found its spot for 2024. Yeah, they're working to finalize it, but it's going to be the sphere in Vegas, and that's really exciting. There, mm. There's no question about it. Like, just as a human being who loves Vegas and loves entertainment, I love the idea of the event being there. Now, it was a challenge. James Dolan, who owns the Rangers, also runs the sphere. But, you know, the joke here was that there was no friends and family discount for the <laughs> NHL. They really had to grind to get it done. But at the end of the day, they felt it was worth the opportunity and were excited to be there. The other thing that's interesting about about it is kind of the awards is usually the same week as the draft. Yep. If you look at the schedule, 
the final game of the Stanley Cup final could be played just days before the NHL draft. So I think they're looking at doing something different with the awards. There was talk about Los Angeles, maybe different now. There was once during Tampa's runs in the Stanley Cup final where they had it during on one of the off days, but I think they are looking at some unique and different ideas. Well, does the latest on any potential international events, the Olympics among them? Yes, and a couple things we're going to see is an international tournament next February of 2025. Canada, U.S., Finland, Sweden, smaller event, not an official World Cup. Then they're looking at a full World Cup in 2028. They want to get back to the full calendar. Olympics 26, World Cup 28, Olympics again 30. You mentioned they brought up concerns about the Milan Arena a year ago. They did again today, but I'm under the impression that they made it very clear the players are vocal about going and the fans want them to go. So I do think they want to go. Gary Bettman, the commissioner, has also asked about a tough couple of tougher subjects as well here on Tuesday. Why don't we start with the, the Corey Perry investigation with the Blackhawks? Yes, he said he's satisfied with the Blackhawks' investigation into it. He has not determined at this point in time whether Perry will have to meet with the commissioner to resume his NHL career should he want to. So we'll see how that plays out. And also, there was a question about the 2018 World Junior Team investigation. He answered it a bit differently. He seemed to give a bit of an indication that it was just a challenge closing out uh, the final process and what I think that is and I don't really like to speculate too much but what I mm -hmm. think that is Kyle is that in the absence of criminal charges to this point I think it's been difficult to negotiate any kinds of penalties that could come out of this. The other thing that was asked about here on Tuesday to the commissioner was cut resistant technology and Bettman did say he continues to encourage players to wear neck guards and he can see a scenario somewhere down the future where cut resistant technology is mandatory in the NHL. There you go. The absolute latest from the Board of Governors meetings with Kyle Bukoskis and Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. Uh, lots there, but the main takeaway is uh, it feels as though we will have a difficult time keeping track of Pat Steinberg at the draft next year um, as it is set to be held in Las Vegas. Also, how do we feel about the sphere being the final centralized draft location? Now, if you don't understand what I mean by centralized, uh, the NHL is one of the few leagues that still has a table for every single team at the draft where your GM, your scouts, your assistant GMs, everybody gets together and it gives us those great clips of GMs talking to each other on the floor. We see Friedman and everybody else, you know, trying to get the scoops right then and there. Um, and there's a big cost, obviously, of running all of these people to these different locations. So next year, uh, the next draft, they're in 2025, expected to be decentralized, which means they will hold a draft somewhere. Players will come up and get their jersey and meet the commissioner, but the war rooms where the GMs are, where all these scouts are, is usually back in their home city, and they're just phoning in to the draft to say who their selection is. Uh, so it's going to change, but now the sphere, this giant mecca of weird things coming out of Las Vegas. This giant tubular screen is now going to be the final destination. How does this work, Taylor? Like it's I don't I get it for concerts and I guess for like the eye emoji thing that they did where it was spying on people throughout the city of Las Vegas, but I don't really know how the sphere works as far as like an NHL draft location. Well, it was kind of a joke when the F1 was there last month that 
when a driver doesn't finish the race, it kind of becomes like the Hunger Games <laughs> where you put them on the screen. And I think that's what you should do is when they get drafted, Hunger Games, their photo, little music, what team they go to, all of that. I'm looking at like this is, first of all, like some of the images you get in this place are ridiculous. Like, of course, I always think of the stupid one, which is the the I one that was watching people. But like you, too, had a concert there in front of like 18,000 people. And it looked ridiculous. It looks like you're tripping. Like, it looks like Matt Rose on the weekend. <laughs> like what if you ever wanted to know what like what goes through Matt Rose's brain on the weekend, just like go inside the Las Vegas sphere when they're doing different sort of tests and lighting. And that's what Matt would see. But I have no idea how you do this for like a sporting event, Cam. Like it's I I imagine they'll they'll probably gut like the the grandstand style seating and just make it, you know, flat, put a bunch of tables around and I know, but the whole point of this is to like use the billion dollar technology for insane visuals. I don't know. I mean, you're gonna have the permanently running ticker going around with your draft recap, but it's going to be like 225 feet in diameter, so you're going to see every pick from the last three rounds at all times. I want to see it just go over the top. Like, I want the players, I want the prospects skating around the sphere, like their (laughs) highlight reel rolling over top as they come out. But I like the idea of, like Taylor was saying, putting kind of the draftees and the teams they go to on the outside of the dome, so even if you you can't get in, you can still stand outside the dome. They'll probably have a, a TV viewing of it. And you can see as they get drafted, oh, this guy went number one to this team, and so on and so forth. I think that would be very cool. You can do some really dumb things with this as well. Oh, yes. Oh, I want to be clear. Oh, yes. There's one day where it was just a basketball. Oh, yeah, the for, entire uh, day. for NBA Summer League, it was it, a giant it basketball. Was, it was just a basketball. I think they did something for for Call of Duty as well. It was they like did, a they giant did one ad. where it was the sun. Why? It's turned into a pumpkin for Halloween. <laughs> it's been a tennis ball for a tennis event. Just the, the U.S. Open Finals. The giant eye, like actual eye, is kind of uh, terrifying to me, and I do <laughs> not like looking at this thing. It's <laughs> just such a nerdy thing. But I want it to be like the Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings one day. Yeah, just engulfed in fire. <laughs> just, yeah, it's really just what I want it to be. It's the only use I can think of for this giant sphere at the Venetian where the NHL is going to hold their final draft with everybody together in the same room. I, I really hope this is just ridiculous. That's all I want it to be. Yeah. The I, I feel the bad best. for whoever this graphic designer is that has to do all this stuff. <laughs> Because you have to come up with just some, like, ridiculous things to make this worthwhile. Is that why? Yes, but it's also just, like, the weird... Like, you have to come up with probably a hundred things to put on this sphere. Oh, right. Even if you guys want to do what you guys said, which is, like, have the prospect thing go up every time they get drafted. Like, think of how many you have to do. And you've got to, like, adjust... The, the shape of the spear. You don't know who's getting drafted. <laughs> so that when they come up on screen, it's not just like an enlarged photo of some guy's head. It's actually like to scale and doesn't look preposterously bad. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't envy that guy. Whoever is making that, I do not envy that. You can spend a lot of time looking at different images of the sphere in Las Vegas. Let me tell you. This is your, this is your weekend plan. I've wasted the last... I didn't even hear what Elliot said. I knew he was going to talk about the sphere. I've just been yep. looking at different fun things that they've done on the sphere over the last couple months. Well, can it's a sphere. Tell me what the point of the sphere is. Like you spend, what was it? Over a billion dollars to make this thing. $2.3 billion. Thank you very much. And it's had you two in it. <laughs> I mean, what hey, is U2 the point? was on our iPods once, Taylor. They forced themselves on our iPods once. Okay. And we still did not listen. That's fair. <laughs> And this text comes in. The sphere is actually way cooler on the outside than the inside. I saw a show there. It was very underwhelming. I'm sorry if you saw U2. <laughs> Seems like an unnecessary shot at U2, but Cam's the the music critique of the group. Hey, one person in here has why, a music degree. That's, that's all why I'm you won't hear any U2 at Wranglers games. That's right. One of us has one a more them. diverse Spotify music listening than the others. Yeah. That's enough of that. That's enough of this show. That's enough sphere talk. That's enough everything. Uh, we got to wrap things up. Up next is Real Kipper and Bourne. Flames talk with Steinberg and Vickers. Flames warm up at 6 o'clock. It's the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Game four of this six-game homestand is tonight. Uh, Derek Wills and Corey Sarich on the call right here on Sportsnet 960. A uh, quick thank you to our guests, Peter Klein and Wes Walls, for joining us. If you missed any of it, Please check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I appreciate you being along for the ride. If you sent us a text today or you listened live on the podcast, we appreciate you. Shout out to Outstanding Producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. Enjoy the flames and the wild. It's coming your way tonight here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.